Welcome to Hit Podcast, HIT, Human Resources, Insurance, and Technology. I'm your host, Toby Kennedy. As always, we're dropping into your feed on a weekly basis. Coming every Tuesday. Find us on YouTube, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Apple, on Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. We are trying to deliver a bite-sized weekly deliverable hit that makes for a good follow. This week's episode is sponsored by Montage Insurance Solutions. And without any further ado, let's jump right into your weekly hit. For this week's weekly hit, we want to cover the topic of self-funding, specifically if you're looking to self-insure your medical insurance. This is the time of year where a lot of groups are sitting down with their bosses, their benefits team, their brokers, their consultants, and they're talking about the new upcoming plan year. And I have a lot of groups when I say, hey, we're exploring self-funding or, hey, we've looked at this bit or that bit, they kind of wind up saying, you know what I, I could use actually, it's just a, a quick sort of 101 on, on what is self-funding, right? What is self-insuring? So I want to take some time in this episode and just coach everyone up, bring everyone up to speed. When we talk about self-funding or self-insuring your medical, what are some of the basics? What are we, what are we talking about sort of fundamentally here? So overall, when you think about how you're built on fully insured medical insurance. Your plan is underwritten. They look to see, all right, what's the age averages? What's the male, female? What's the zip codes? What are some of the prescriptions people are on? Known claims, et cetera, et cetera. And they estimate how many claims you're probably gonna incur as a population. Who's going to the doctor, when, how many times, et cetera. From there, they look to see, well, we know which doctors you're probably gonna see sort of based on zip code and we know how much it's going to cost to make the doctor whole, how much they charge for an office visit for the various things. So what portion of that would you like your employees to pay in co-pays, deductibles, et cetera? So you, you do a plan design and then you wind up getting a pricing for that employee only, employee plus spouse, child, family, et cetera. And that pricing stays flat for the whole year. So in theory, if you never added or removed any employees all year long on your fully insured plan, you'd have the exact same bill month over month over month. And maybe the employee-only product is, let's just say, for example, $400, right? So if you take this plan with these co-pays in these areas, based on your overall employee population, we're charging $400 per employee per month. Great, that makes sense, and that's your bill. That's the fully insured stuff. That's very straightforward. On the self-funded side, Rather than you paying the carrier, let's say, again, in the example, $400 per employee, you might only pay the carrier $80 or $50 or some way lower number because all you're getting from the carrier is some of the admin stuff, not the claims funding. As your employees go to the doctor, as your employees go to the hospital, whatever they pay in copay partially makes the doctor whole. But the doctor that needs to bill and to submit that bill to make themselves completely whole, normally in the fully insured space, they would send that to the insurance company. In the self-funded world, they send that to you. So now, even if you don't add or remove employees and you have the exact same employee count month over month, your bills will fluctuate because the claims will be coming in at different rates. Some months, more employees went to the doctor, the hospital, had MRIs, prescriptions, et cetera, than others. And again, when you're self-funding, you save a lot of that money in premium, dollars that you pay to the insurance company, but then you use that savings, you deploy that savings to pay the claims as they come in. That's what it means to self-insure. You're basically acting like the insurance company. 
So sometimes I get to this part and people say, well, what am I even paying the, whatever you said, 80 bucks for or 50 bucks or, or whatever per employee? What's the admin stuff? First and foremost, you're renting a network of doctors. So even if you're self-funding, it looks and feels very seamless to your employees. One of our sponsors, Cigna, thank you very much for sponsoring. Shout out Cigna. They do fully insured and self-funding. So maybe you had a fully insured product with Cigna and your employees got a card that said Cigna. When you went to the self-insured side, you can rent the Cigna network. And so your employees still get a card that says Cigna. So it looks and feels seamless to your employees. It's just on the provider level. Now, when the provider, the doctor needs to be made whole, Cigna's not actually funding that bill. You are, because all you've done is rent the Cigna network, but you have not engaged them to also pay your claims. You're paying your claims and you're doing it out of the saved premium. The other thing that you will always want to fold in is stop loss. Stop loss typically comes in two flavors, individual, sometimes called specific, sometimes abbreviated to spec stop loss and aggregate stop loss. And what that means is when you say, oh, okay, Toby, I'm going to save a lot of money in premium and then I'm going to pay the claims. I appreciate that you guys estimated our claims. You did a great job with your actuaries, your underwriters. You took a good crack at what you think my claims will be. But what if there are more? Am I on the hook in perpetuity? Do I have to pay claims till what point, right? And that's where you talk about the stop loss laying right in. The individual stop loss that layers in says, okay, you owe all the claims except for the part where any one specific, any one given claim, any one given leg break or cancer or whatever the case is, one claimant reaches a certain figure. Maybe that's $50,000, $75,000, right? So, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Employer, you're going to save a lot of money in premium. You're going to rent the Cigna network, but you are going to pay the claims as they come in, except for the part where if any one given claim hits the individual stop loss amount of $50,000, then the stop loss insurance will pay all of that person's bills after that. So no one person's going to rack up a million dollars in bills against your policy. The other stop loss, the aggregate says, okay, in addition to any one given claim costing too much, we're also going to track the overall total amount of claims. We're going to estimate how much that's going to be. And if it goes too far above that, then we're going to pay all the bills afterwards, right? So let's say, for example, they say, hey, you owe all the claims, except for the part where any one given claim hits $50,000, or on the aggregate stop loss up to the point where your total claims incurred, your whole group for the whole year spent, let's say, for example, we think it's going to be a $4 million claim year. We looked at your population. We looked at your size. We looked at all the underwriting factors, age, prescriptions, all the things that go into this. And we think you're going to spend $4 million total in claims. But if we're wrong, if you hit, let's say, $5 million, for example, then the aggregate stop loss will pay everything after $5 million. So you go to the insurance company and say, all right, we're thinking about self-funding. We've looked at our fully insured plans. We've looked at our renewals and we want to design a plan that looks for the employees just like our fully insured ones. So for example, a $20 office visit copay, a, I don't know, $750 deductible and 20% coinsurance, for example, right? You design that plan. You say, hey, this is going to be my member responsibilities but instead of the carrier, instead of Cigna, for example, paying all the claims beyond that like you would in the fully insured space, charge me a bunch less, let me rent your network, and we're going to pay all the claims. 
except for the part where if my individual stop loss kicks in or the total amount of claims hit the part where the aggregate stop loss would kick in. So that's sort of the basics of self-insuring. And so you wind up looking to say, hey, when we estimate claims, when we look forward, is it a better deal for us to maybe consider paying our own claims, saving money on premium and paying our own claims? The other things that you're just going to want to consider are the fact that if you're in HMO territory, like for example, Southern California is very, very, very heavily penetrated by HMOs, those are capitated. That's a different funding mechanism. They're not typically fee for service. Most of the money changing hands can't be self-funded. You can't really self-fund an HMO because the doctors are getting their rostering fee. You can build a lookalike. You can build what they'll call an EPO. So just like the HMO plan, it will not perform if the employees go to the wrong doctor, aka out of network. It's in-network only coverage. And you can build it to have co-pays, but it won't be an HMO. It'll be a lookalike that you build. And so you make these plans look the way you want them to look, feel the, one, the way that you want them to feel for the employee's standpoint as you build these out. And you just basically look to see, okay, do we want the insurance company paying all our claims or do we want to pay our own claims? And when we do that, when we project that out, is there enough savings Where's our individual stop loss? Where's our aggregate stop loss? And lastly, under what time provisions do these stop losses perform? So you'll have a stop loss contract that'll be talked about in terms of months. So for example, a common stop loss contract will be a 12-18 or 12-month and 18-month contract. And what they mean by those two figures is the first figure is incurred in. When was the point of service? When did the claim actually happen? And then the next one is when was it billed by? So for example, if you have a calendar year plan, you might have an employee go to the doctor on December 31st, the last day of the plan. You're you know, 365 days into this plan that maybe happened on leap year. And that's why you got that many days in the year. But near enough, the end of the plan year, that employee goes into the doctor. It's very unlikely that the provider bills quickly enough for you to have inside of that same calendar year, your stop loss counting, right? Looking at this thing, but maybe it's a big claim and maybe you want your aggregate stop loss to start to perform and say, Hey, look, this should be something that stop loss funds and not me. Well, if the doctor gets it billed in that second time frame that we talked about. So I mentioned a 1218 or 1215, let's say, then the provider has 15 months from the beginning of the contract to bill stuff that incurred in 12 months. In other words, there's still three months left into the new plan year for that bill to be received, given to the stop loss carrier and to be paid according to the stop loss contract. So you want to design these things to have a little cushion on the back end for those end of year claims to still get ultimately worked through, billed and applied to the stop loss of the proper plan year. That's sort of the 101 on these things. It does ultimately bring in a little bit more um, HIPAA compliance. It brings in a little bit more work on the HR team, even as far as ACA and some of the things you need to do. But it also brings in a lot more insight, a lot more claims visibility, a lot more positives going on. So you can design a plan that's completely fully insured. You can design a plan that we're talking about now that's total ASO, administrative services only, just self-funded, or lots of stuff in between. 
There's all these sort of hybrid-y kind of middle ground plans. So as you're sitting this year, you're maybe looking at your new plan year, especially if you've got a calendar year product. It's about that time you're sitting down, you're looking. We just wanted to do a quick high-level overview for any of our listeners. So as you're getting into these conversations, you're coached up on some of the moving pieces and what might be the right fit for you and your plan design at your company. That's all the time we have today. Thank you so much for joining us. Join us next week. And until next week, make this the best week yet.